So welcome to class number six. Um, as we talk about <clears throat> materialism um, and this study of stewardship, this sort of overview of, of stewardship. So Kyle and I have been working through a course seminar uh, put out by Capitol Hill Baptist, and it's on the subject of, of stewardship. So I want to uh, start by asking a question. How would you define materialism? What comes to mind when you think about materialism? Or materialistic? Idolizing stuff. Idolizing stuff, right? Right to the heart. <laughs> Idolizing stuff. What else? What else comes to mind? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So the condition of the heart is shown by what we say, right, at times. Yep. So a sort of over, uh, an excessive focus on stuff. And I appreciate that y'all said stuff and not simply money, right? Because you can uh, make an idol out of many things. But yep. what else comes to mind when you think about materialism? Yeah, so those things, good point. <clears throat> House, uh, money, good job. These things aren't evil, right, in and of themselves. Um, but they can be, uh, not the things, but our use of them can be sinful and evil. Um, especially if we, are, if we want these things before we need them because of uh, maybe attention that we get or... Um, a reputation or recognition, right? We can use those things and actually use those things to even use people at times to, to get that type of stuff. So, yeah. What else? <clears throat> Kyle? It's obsession. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Wish that that's a way that we can use people, right? Based off of their, their stuff. Yep. No, that's, that's a good example. And all of this shows that um, I think you, you might agree that materialism isn't only for those who are like high class, right? Sort of the, 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 the 1%, right? Um, materialism is the, the poor can be very materialistic. The rich can be materialistic in everywhere in between. All you need is 
a heart in Adam <laughs> to be materialistic uh, and to overvalue uh, things and possessions, right? Let's think about Matthew 18. Uh, turn to, to Matthew 18. <clears throat> Matthew 18, let me see. Actually, Matthew 19, sorry. 19, 16 to 22. Let me have someone read Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22. Read it nice and loud so everybody can hear. Go ahead, Anna. So this narrative of this rich young man is one that most of us have heard before. And this is a place you know, people usually go when they want to show that um, someone with a heart that's idolizing things or, or, or possessions. Um, but I think what, what we see in this is that our, our things, our stuff, our money, our possessions, uh, it's not... Uh, off limits. It's not a, a different category concerning our discipleship, our following Christ. Um, everything that we have is brought into uh, submission under Christ's authority. So even the use of our things. So Jesus, he doesn't say, I mean, this, this rich young man says a lot and gets it wrong in a lot of places. But Jesus doesn't sort of just focus on what he wants to focus on, but he focuses on an area where, and maybe in this rich young man's mind, he says, well, this isn't something that you know, we, we can be concerned with. I've done this, 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 and this, which I don't think he, he did, but in his mind, at least, these things were a separate category. Uh, and this shows us that they're not a separate category. Everything we have, we submit to God. So sometimes one of the hardest things is knowing whether our money and the stuff we have have become idols to us. That can be one of the hardest things to discern. Um, and usually it takes the help of uh, wisdom outside of ourselves to be able to, to see those things. Because we're good at sort of veiling our own sins in that way. Um, <clears throat> we might not be bowing down to them, these things that we have. But maybe they have more of, a ten- more, more of our attention than they should. They have more of our affections and our wills than they should. They have a a, a hold on us. Um, And usually the change in the heart um, concerning these things, when we go from simply having something and being grateful and thankful for it to idolizing it or giving it more value than it should have, that change is usually not something we can identify. It's usually imperceptible. It's just, it's happening slowly. Um, And then the next thing we know, we're seeing how we're changing our schedules, our changing our habits, good and godly habits, or 
our relationships are being affected and changed because of these things. And so it's, it's a gradual thing. It's usually a, a process. Now, we may feel buyer's remorse at times for purchasing something that um, we maybe shouldn't have purchased, but we don't always consider it as um, a sin. Materialism and idolizing as a sin. Um, and examining our motives here can be really hard at times. So how do we approach this problem of materialism? Well, we'll need to, of course, as the scripture says, one, be conformed in the renewing of our minds to the wisdom that God gives in this area of stewardship. And to do that, we'll start by looking at the right way to hold material things and then compare it with the wrong way. Now, this will help us as we think through this topic of materialism. So first on your handouts there, um, identifying materialism. So let's think about that question again of what is materialism? Now, if you go uh, into some, some dictionaries <clears throat> or you maybe go online and you type in the word materialism, you might see something like that, that says this. A materialism is a doctrine where the highest values or objectives lie in material well-being and in the furtherance of material progress. That's at least what one dictionary says. Um, and it seems to be getting at, even by that definition, not just the thing, but the value system of the person. Right? It's getting at something a little, a little deeper there. Uh, now, most of us would probably agree that materialism is wrong, but just like you, um, I buy things. Uh, we, we shop at the malls and grocery stores and we have jobs. Um, and sometimes we buy things for the sake of wanting to be happy at the moment, right? You, not that these are wrong, but just some examples. Um, I love ice cream. <laughs> Maybe it has a stronger hold on me than it should. Um, at least my wife told me that. I think I'm fine. I'm clouded. <laughs> but I like to, I, I, like, I, like, I, like, I love that my kids love ice cream. We'll go to Twisty Treat and we buy ice cream. I think this past week, maybe we did it two or three times. <laughs> Confessions. Y'all can talk to me afterwards. But for me, I have to like think through that. Something like ice cream and going to a place where I enjoy time with the kids and, and doing that. And I like, I like it. It makes the kids happy. It makes me happy. It makes my wife happy. She won't admit it all the time. But she likes it too. But it's something that even I, in my own heart, have to sort of, sort of think through. And I'm not saying that buying ice cream or buying you know, a phone or something is evil. Um, but the point is that we do, all of us make purchases that uh, make us happy at times. And it's not wrong for those things to make us, make us happy. But I think it can be wrong and sinful when those things um, become something that has more control over us than, than they should. Or we use them, somebody said it earlier, for recognition or for attention or for anything like that. And those possessions at times, purchasing things, can give us a, a powerful feeling of uh, satisfaction or contentment or rest or security. And that's, that, that, that's something that it can be hard to, hard to identify because it, be it can be a gray area and at times a fine line in between a purchase for the sake of uh, securing a healthy and helpful state for your family, yourself, and a purchase for the sake of 
uh, securing a, a type of security that puts all its eggs in the basket of that purchase. Um, and that's not always easy to, to d- discern. <clears throat> Again, <clears throat> we get this theologically, but I think our bank statements might tell a different story. And sometime, pr- sometimes purchases can be easy to justify. We can say it's an investment or it's for the kids or it keeps me current with, with everybody else. But it's not only the excessive spender, but the excessive saver that can be entrusting themselves to the wrong things, right? The excessive spender and the excessive saver. One says, what I have keeps me safe. The other says, what I saved keeps me safe, right? So both in the end are entrusting themselves to the wrong things, Um, right? So what we put our trust in is sort of what we want to think about. What we put our, uh, our, our hope in, what's, what's the base of our security and happiness? Now, money in and of itself, of course, isn't evil. We know that it can be used for bad or for good. So if we want to watch out for materialism, we want to watch for an um, unnecessary dependence upon a thing. And we want to ask, how do we rightly use material things? How do we rightly use them? <clears throat> okay, so let's, let's jump down to the next section here. Uh, rightly enjoying material things. So how do we know when we're rightly using material things? Um, <clears throat> some things to think about. Are we willingly... Uh, do we let this thing go easily? When it's taken from us, how do we respond to it? Right, that, that thing that we love, that thing that, um, or we, we, we might not, not even recognize how much we love it until somebody takes it away. And then we start to, to fight for the right we have. Um, are we using it sinfully? Are we unnecessarily dependent upon it? Are we thankful for it? Can we make that purchase uh, with, with no regrets? All right, so all of these things are questions to, to consider. Uh, let me have someone go to 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Can somebody read that for us? Who wants to read it? Uh, Barani, go ahead. Yep. Thank you. Now, when when Paul wrote these words, um, he was addressing false teachers in Ephesus who thought that marriage and the enjoyment of certain foods was sinful. So they taught that a person becomes more spiritual by denying and abstaining from certain material things. 
But Paul said that that thinking was actually demonic. He doesn't say, yeah, you should have a category in your mind for that. He said thinking like that and teaching like that is demonic. <clears throat> and 1 Timothy 4 teaches us how to enjoy material things rightly. So first, we must have the right understanding of material things according to God's word. So God created all things good by his word. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, down from the Father of lights. So we just we need to believe that, that the Lord has made um, things good for us to enjoy. God's word also shows us how to use things in the right way. For example, Proverbs says, Proverbs uh, 25.16 says, if you have found honey, only eat enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it, vomit it out. In other words, enjoy it, but not to the point where it's harmful for you. So both knowing the truth about material things and using them according to God's word will allow us to enjoy things rightly. God has given us um, all good things to enjoy. And at times we can find ourselves with a sort of um, <clears throat> sort of fundamentalistic or legalistic view about certain things. Uh, we, we can look at others and say, well, why are they spending their money on that thing? Don't they know that that's vain? Or why are they eating at that restaurant? Don't they know that it's really expensive there? How can they afford that anyway? And we can criticize one another's purchases and look at each other with the eye of suspicion. But that's not the, the best approach to how to even think about um, things and possessions or how to love one another as we come alongside one another. Um, <clears throat> that's the first point. The second point is that we should receive God's good gifts with thanksgiving. How do we enjoy things rightly? Receiving it with thanksgiving. If we're thankful, we recognize that what we have is a gift, right? So God is the good gift giver. So we shouldn't receive what he gives with a sense of entitlement as if he owes us anything, right? Anything that we have from God is, is a kindness to us. And we want to, con to uh, always be grateful and thankful, grateful and thankful. Third, thanksgiving should lead us to prayer. Prayer acknowledges the kindness of God and our dependence upon him for everything. He provides our daily bread and everything we need. Prayer keeps us humble, <clears throat> and it reminds us that we need to look to God for our daily bread. So enjoy it rightly, but not um, excessively to where it's harmful for us. Um, enjoy it with thanksgiving, and enjoy it with prayer. All of those things are, are good and helpful as we think about the enjoyment of, of God's good things. So then an appropriate response to the use of material things is Again, one, to believe that God, to believe what God says about the things he gives. Two, to be thankful for them. And three, to even pray how to use them well. Right? Well, what, are, what are some other things that come to mind for you um, that help you to enjoy God's gifts rightly? What are some things that you do? Maybe some heart checks that you have.
it's like I'm clearly not using it uh, as I should if it's like uh, distracting from faithfulness in other areas. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And that can be hard to discern as well because um, if it's something that you like and enjoy and that you're good at, you actually want to do it. <clears throat> but in trying to see how it affects other areas of your life, you can say, well, yeah, I still, still love my wife. I still love my kids. I still serve you know, my friends and my family um, as I do this thing. And we want to sort of hold both in both hands and say, well, we can do them at the same time. And that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes we actually do have to examine that thing and say, this is a good thing, right? The thing that's hard is that it's not an evil thing. It's a good thing, which makes it harder at times to discern. Um, but being willing to have that sort of internal dialogue and pray to say, okay, how is this affecting, uh, this good thing affecting the better things, the things that are more needful, right? Yeah. What else comes to mind? What are some things that um, you do to help you to um, use what you have uh, in a good God-honoring way to keep you from sinning with those things that you have? What are some things that you think about, some things that you do to help you sort of check yourself? Kyle? Sometimes think about like um, how is this helping relationships? Mm. So you know, am I able to use this, and is it something that I'm able to build with like someone else? Mm. You know, um, yeah. Family, right. So it causes you to look away from yourself to see how it might be helping in other areas. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> that's good. Um, let me have someone go to First Timothy six seventeen. 1 Timothy 6.17, and go ahead and read that for me, whoever gets there first. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. All right. So... Paul seems to be saying here, um, even to the rich, they uh, fight against this uh, over-excessiveness um, by setting their hopes on God. So he points them upward to help them think through how to handle what they have in front of them, how to handle their, their possessions. Uh, set your hopes on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so I think that this reminds us again, and we'll see this in Proverbs 23, that wealth and possessions are not reliable like God is, right? Um, even investments that seem like a sure thing are never really absolutely 100% sure. And so it reminds us not to chase things that are fickle as money. Proverbs 23, 4 to 5 says, do not toil or labor um, or exhaust oneself to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist, to pull back. When, you're when your eyes light on it, the wealth, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. So the Bible gives us this picture of money with these wings, possessions with these wings. And as soon as it says your eye lights on it, as soon as you are... Um, you get excited about it. 
and you want to sort of um, wrap your arms around it, it makes wings and it flies away. And it says, that's what possessions do in, in a sense. So be discerning enough to resist. Um, and it's, it's easy to, to forget this. Sometimes we don't trust God as much as we trust his gifts. And this brings us to the second topic of how we idolize material things. Uh, B on your worksheet there, idolizing material things. So materialism is essentially placing the wrong value on money or possessions. Vibrant colors, uh, delicious foods, beautiful music, sensual pleasure, sweet aromas. These are all wonderful gifts that God gave us to enjoy. But they're meant to point us back to God in worship and thanksgiving. Because sin causes um, us to, to see God's gifts in the wrong way, it causes us to, to not be thankful or to not be grateful. Uh, Romans 1, 21 to 22, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they, become, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. And then Romans goes on to say, God gives them up to their pleasures. And so there's a lack, people receive things and there's a lack of thanksgiving and then there's an exchanging of the glory that belongs to God for the thing. Um, And that's what happens in the hearts of men when we don't um, hold God's good things in in a right way. So here are some self-assessment questions, some things that might help us to watch our hearts. Uh, Five of them, or six, five. First, does owning or desiring whatever the thing is, so as I say these questions, just think about things or your, your own things. Does owning or desiring X distract you from what God has called you to do? Andrew hit on this a little earlier. So working for a promotion at work versus obsessing over how to get a promotion to the point where it's sinful. Proverbs 28, 6 says, better a poor man who walk in blamelessness than a rich man whose ways are perverse. Two, what do you delight in? Are you more excited about things than you are about God? So all created things are designed to point us to God, and it's fine to get excited about things, but they should point us to something greater than themselves. And thankfulness to God helps us in this area. Uh, Psalm 73, uh, whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. There are other things that the psalmist desired, but compared to God, he says, there's nothing else I desire besides you. Um, Three. How do you react when something is taken away? Um, If you have kids or if you've been around kids for any period of time, you know that when they have a toy that they want to play with very bad and you take it away from them, they throw a tantrum, right? My daughter, Chloe, she's two. She throws herself on the floor or she stumps or she will walk around the living room to find something to hit. <laughs> like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. But he, she, we, they throw these tantrums, right? So we do the same thing just in our hearts. 
as adults, we, we have a sense of self-awareness, right? So we know we can't just throw ourselves on the floor in the middle of the foyer, right? We, we, we complain and we grumble in our hearts, right? So how, how do you respond when that thing is taken away from you? That's a good sign of um, how much we value the thing. Uh, four, how do you feel toward others who have more than you do? Um, we may covet what others have and think to ourselves, if I had what they had, I'd be okay. Or um, we may be self-righteous and think about others and think, well, I'm glad that I'm not like them, wasting my money like they are. Right? Comparing ourselves to others is a quick way to feed discontentment. Luke 12 says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Right? Five, how do you react when you feel insecure? For example, fear of others' opinions, the opinions they have of you, might cause you to buy clothes or cars or things you don't need or to value those things more than you should because you're afraid of how people might see you. Um, so we have these insecurities and we want to sort of look the part um, in front of the eyes of people. And as we talked about in our last Sunday School uh, series about man-pleasing, this is, it's, it, it's a wrong way to see people. It's a wrong way to view self. It cuts at contentment. It cuts at entrusting ourselves to God. And it ultimately makes that person, uh, puts that person on the throne of our hearts where God should be. All right, so we don't want to be man-pleasers. Proverbs 18, 10 to 11 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. So while the Lord is a strong tower, the rich only imagine that their wealth will keep them safe. And we have to remember that. All right, so any questions or comments before we go to the next section here? I'm going to talk about fighting materialism. Okay, so section three in your handout, fighting materialism. So we've talked about materialism um, and the heart, our experience with it, um, but let's think about how to fight it. First, how do we fight materialism? We can fight it by um, treasuring the excellence uh, beauty and the jealousy of God. Um, God will not have us give ourselves to, to anything that uh, rips our affections away from, from him. So he won't settle for him being God alongside uh, some other false God. Uh, the Bible says you cannot serve God in, in money. Um, you cannot serve God in, in anything else and hold it as God. <clears throat> So God is jealous over um, our affections for him. Um, Hebrews 11, 27 and 26 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt as he was looking to the reward. So even for Moses, something was in front of him that said, that's better than the treasures of Egypt, which is not like a small pot 
of treasury. It's the treasures of Egypt. And he says, Whatever, this thing ahead of me, this thing in front of me, the reward was Christ. You see that in Hebrews 11, is of more value than these uh, material treasures and possessions. Um, two, <clears throat> how do we fight against materialism? We can fight against it by reminding ourselves of the danger of materialism. Paul says those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires and plunge people into ruin and destruction. Ultimately, says greed is idolatry. <clears throat> Three, um, we can confess materialism, confess it as, as a sin. So we, re- we remind ourselves of the dangers of it, um, ask God to expose it in our hearts, wherever we see it in pockets here and there, and we confess it. Ask God to um, cleanse us, You know my heart, Lord. Examine me. Know me. Search me. Cleanse my heart. Even for that that area of sin. Uh, We can fight for faith to rest in God. So what does it mean for you to tangibly trust in God rather than money for possessions? That's a question we we can think about and think through in our own lives. Uh, Five, we can think about heaven. Um, I remember, uh, I think it was in the book lectures to my students, uh, Charles Spurgeon, or maybe something else that I read by him. But he was talking to a group or maybe his students, and he said that um, I've had the privilege of traveling to a lot of different places and seeing a lot of beautiful places. Um, Spurgeon was, was comfortable. Um, and he's talking to his students and he says, many of you won't get to travel as I've been able to travel or see beautiful things that I've been able to see. But don't you for a second covet or become jealous because everything that I have seen you will see to an infinite degree in heaven and experience it in its fullness and he was trying to um, encourage his students away from coveting and to put their minds on heaven Um, I think it's good encouragement for us when we are tempted to covet and um, put a strong emphasis on possessions and things and stuff We have to remember that the Christian is headed somewhere better, infinitely better. So the car that you may not be able to drive or the house that you may not be able to live in or the clothes you may not be able to wear or the devices or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Heaven will be better and we're promised to go there, to get there. Christ is securing us and bringing us to that end. So even that simple reminder can curve the appetite for wrong things Um, and they may even be good things but just remember that something better is coming and it is guaranteed to come and and it's heaven okay um, so I'll I'll close out just a couple more a couple more things here how do we fight against materialism thinking about heaven Um, six giving generously um looking for opportunities to, to, to share and to give. Uh, seven, creating a budget, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, eight, talking with others about it, getting wisdom and advice from others on this area of materialism. Um, and a practical way to do that is to maybe think about your purchases, decisions you've made, um, stuff that you've purchased and not regret it, things that you purchase purchased and regret it. Um, think about maybe weaknesses in this area. 
Um, think about debt that we have. Think about savings. Find a trusted friend or um, a counselor to be able to talk to to help you think through certain things and allow them to give you helpful feedback, not just things that are just sort of things that yes men say, but things that are helpful feedback for you. Okay. Uh, so to conclude, as we fight materialism and learn to enjoy things that God made for us, um, we have to look at the heart, uh, pray, and trust ourselves to Christ and all of these things. Now to give us a right view of money, a right view of possessions, or a, uh, a better view of these things. Um, it'll help us to hold our possessions in a right way that's not sinful, but useful to us and others. Um, and in all these things, uh, considering uh, that God is good, uh, he's kind to us, and he is bringing us to a better end in himself. Um, and that, that is himself. All right? So any closing thoughts, comments, questions? All right. Let me pray for us. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. Um, even this area of <clears throat> stewardship and specifically materialism um, is something that your word addresses with, with strong and vibrant language, with deep encouragements um, and warnings. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as we think about our own lives, as we live lives before you and before men, that we would give thought to do what is honorable in the sight um, of all what is pleasing to you help us to hold our possessions in a way that is um, above reproach and to in that have the freedom to enjoy life and enjoy all the good things that you give um, because you have given them for your glory that your creatures would enjoy them and in uh, and in those things um, worship you and worship you rightly and um, and we thank you lord for the the most precious gift salvation, a new heart, regeneration, and Christ, a right relationship with our triune God. Lord, bless us now as we go into the service, um, into the corporate worship room. Um, give us right eyes and affections uh, to worship you rightly in a way that is pleasing to you. May you, by your spirit, sanctify uh, and uh, make acceptable our worship. And we give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>